0: And welcome back to the Future of Supply Chain event. Here wrapping up day one, it's happy hour. There's a great buzz out in the hallway right now. Everyone's enjoying some well-deserved beverages and hors d'oeuvres out there. Uh, This is our next fireside chat. My name is Kevin Hill here with Jonathan Salama, CTO and co-founder of Transfix. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks for having me. It's, it's, it's fantastic to have you guys come in. You know, you're demoing, you have a booth. How do you like being back in person?
1: Ah, oh, this is great. You can feel the energy in the room. You can feel, like, collaboration happening like at the stands. Like, it's great. Good, good. Now, we're going to
0: talk about procurement. That's right. RFPs, procurement, freight. It's always been an issue. Mm-hmm. It seems to continue to be an issue, or getting worse. Yeah, or getting worse. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about procurement.
1: Okay. Um, well, first, thanks for having me. Um, I always enjoy being here. But the <laughs> we've we've heard it from shippers from many years. We started um, about a bit over eight years ago, and we we entered the market with this notion that you have to predict twelve months in advance prices. Like, we're pretty good with data. We know what we're doing with uh, machine learning models. Uh, and so we we started on a journey that we're going to protect the, the future for 12 months ahead. And we, we found that with the right tools, with the right like thought process, we, we can find the right balance. But it's always been a challenge when like three months or six months in the future, crazy micro event like COVID or like just macro challenges happen that impact the supply chain. And we hear it from both sides. We're hearing from shippers that are locked in in contract in downward markets. Or we hear it from carriers who are locked in contract in upward markets. Or when tenders are like being rejected too much or when um, allocation of freight isn't being realized. And and so I, I think over the years, it's been getting worse and worse. And now we're hearing a point where You're hearing a lot of different shippers searching for a solution. um, And that's where we are.
0: It is. You know, there's a lot of pain points in it. You described a couple. You have the external macro shocks Mm -hmm. or global conflict or pandemics, right, that you can't control. They're random events. It seems to happen quite often. Yeah. But they are random events. Yeah. But you also have seasonality, right? So you're talking about predicting something out 12 months and having one
1: rate for the next 12 months. But you're talking about seasonal patterns, it's seasonality you can't always you can plan for everybody know produce season happened during produce season right like you can sort of plan for it's the is the event like i mean hurricane happened and you can't predict them if we could like life would be a little bit different uh, so um i i think it's all it's also not having the ability for shipper to like Fully predict their uh, tender allocation of like how many real shipments will we have, right? And they have to hedge. And it's understandably so, they have to. Um, while carrier also have to hedge. And when you have the both sides hedging, obviously tension creates and, they're, and the process is flawed by nature.
0: It is because it's forecasting. Yeah. You know, your, your customers are forecasting their clients. So if they lose a customer, it's one of those internal shocks. It's hard for, you know, sales forecasting is one of the hardest yeah. things to do for for any business, and that goes for shippers. So uh, how many loads are we going to have? That's right. You don't know. That's and right. and oftentimes, forecasts are, are wrong. Yeah, the, that's exactly right. And that's why we're here. Exactly right. Um, and that's probably what we have heard from a lot of shipper
1: customers. Uh, any other pain points that you can think of? or is that I, I mean, so one is like once it's finalized, there are issues that everybody talks about. But also like it takes a really large effort for shippers to finalize their RFP. Like it, it often feels from, from talking to our customers, talking to other shippers, that like they're trying to make data-driven decision using anecdotes or like using like very fragmented information that they are having trouble gathering because it comes from different parties or their own different internal systems. And um it, like the it's such heavy,
0: intense work. I think this, this flows right into it. Do you think that the bidding process, you know, you have your normal or traditional annualized bid. Is it because they want to do it annually or because it's such an effort and takes so much time and resources and an effort
1: for any company that
0: you don't want to do that every day? Right. That's,
1: That's just, right. I, I think it depends. It's a great question because I think it depends on the company. Some companies just want to have like a financial forecast for the next twelve months. It's a financial decision driven by a CFO and like you need to have these forecasts in place. Others are like it just they have that constraint and it's intense. Others have the belief that it'll just be better. That like this this those lanes might their lanes might not be impacted by the by some markets or um that they will have like those like Stable volumes that like are very consistent through the years, and um, and there's also no alternative solution right now. Like it's that exactly. or the spot market, right? Like which can be great and can have its flaws too. Mm-hmm. Like if you want high service quality and you want to make sure that freight picks up, maybe contract is a better bet, as a perception.
0: It is, and you mentioned while well ago data-driven decisions, right? Data-driven. there's a lot of data out there. Transportation has been flooded to Sami of data over the last decade. I think one of the, the, the big challenges for all freight companies, all shippers. Is determining which data is good or useful, actionable. I won't say good or bad, right? Which ones are? Which data is actionable and what is not, and how to separate that out? That's,
1: that, that's a great question, um, and, and I think that like that's why it takes like it takes a lot of effort to parse through the noise and to cut through the noise. There's no such thing as bad data because even noise can be useful at times. But you have to be understand like you have to understand how to treat it. You have to understand how to make assumption assumption about how to treat this information and how it will help like make you data make data driven decision. But also human like as human being, we move on. We like we fix the problem. We move on to the next. So in in the case of data, we make it we make a, a assumption and we move on. But then that assumption can be flawed or can be tweaked. So you need machines. It's the term like machine learning. <laughs> you need machines to learn and adapt to those assumption and like. Over time, make them better, um, and that's that's how like we're like able to unlock such a, so uh, so much of our data driven decision is through these assumptions and through these machine models. I, I think one of our keynotes this morning was Billy Bean
0: uh, talking about kind of this very topic, right? Is those assumptions or emotionally driven in a lot of ways, right? So how do you separate your emotions out? Machine learning being one of those. How do you separate what's important and what's not important, and really drive down into the data without letting your 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 perceptions
1: ruin it all? So you you have to second guess everything you do, and try to put your bias away. But you 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 can't. We're humans. We can't do that. (laughs) It's just not possible. It's part of our DNA, right? Yeah, it's 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 part of who we are. Assumptions. So you test it the scientific method has been in place for many 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 years for a reason you make an assumption you test it and then like you like you stamp it but then across time you review that 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 assumption nonstop you but you have a machine review that assumption non-stop telling you when like it's starting to drift out of reality and then you have a then you tweak that assumption if you need to by hand or like using like other data techniques that we have at our disposal. So let's wrap it back into the the
0: RFP process and how data dri- decision, data driven decisions, right? And machine learning can help the RFP process, the procurement
1: process, and and bring out efficiencies. Yeah. So in a way, right? Like we know, like we've we've worked for like like I said, a plus year, thinking through how we predict the market. We're never gonna be like hundred percent accurate but we're always somewhat gonna be correct in the trend the market is going to right like this, that is a lot easier to understand like the market trends at any given lane level at any given like facility level or down to like which carriers is going to be interested in like what is the low to truck ratio at any given time within a lane right and so like with that information we can help shipper transform that RFP process so that it is less intensive in terms of like work hour that you have to produce it. And the most important thing, I think part of this process is not the actual end result, is a relationship with your carrier building through that process. And like if we can focus a human on building relationship, which is what humans are good at, right? And letting machine do what they're good at, that's the that's holy grail of, the, of this RFP process. It is.
0: I mean, do you see the the, the duration or length of RPs shrinking down? I know it's shrank down in the volatility of the market that we've seen over the last two years. Is that a trend that's the technology has been able to help and, and keep in place? Is that sticky? I
1: think so, but not in all cases. I do think there is a time, like there are lanes where you sh- you could put a 12-month contract in. There's other geography you should absolutely not. Right? Like... But then how do you make sense of it at scale within your own network, is uh, what we're hoping to demo tomorrow. And then
0: that's through machine learning, through, through automation, to be able to kind of parse out the lanes that should be longer duration, with the, the ones that should be shorter durations, to the ones that should just be spot.
1: Right, like, there is this perception that if you go to the spot, it's because you made a mistake. I, like it, now, it is wrong. It is it is a flawed assumption when you have a contract, a, a lane that you know you're gonna have twenty loads, but those twenty loads hit in December. And why build a contract in January for twenty loads that are happening in twelve months? Like, there, and and it happens more often than that we want. And most of the time, it's because like we're set in this routine. These are my loads. I'm contracting them. And that's it. There's many bids that I've done. With the 200 loads or 20 loads, you don't...
0: That's my annual forecast, right? But those could be all in December. And then there's a vital piece of information or a piece of data that I'm bidding on a lane that I don't know. And it means that myself and everyone else bidding on it are making the wrong assumptions. That's
1: right. That's right. It goes back to what assumption you're making with the data you're looking at. And very often, when you have just too much data, you get lost in it, it's, and it's very hard. Data.
0: That's right. And, and data that is noise, yeah. which can be useful. Yes. But it's not necessarily actionable. Yeah. No. And, and if you can define what data is actionable, what ones, what's noise, what you should just ignore... Then That's right. Is that half the
1: battle? It, is that it, it's about like making the data the guy more prescriptive. Prescriptive, like, yeah. It's it's about um, and, and we'll we'll demo a lot of it tomorrow. But mm-hmm. it's about not only showing the actionable data, but showing next to it which action you should take. Right, like if I tell you that like this lane specifically should go on the spot market and tell you why. I should build that, well, the machine should build the trust that, okay, they, this is this is what I'm going to do. Um, and it's that prescription that needs to be adapted when you're thinking about data-driven decisions.
0: And that's something that sells people, humans, developing those relationships, uh, enough data to, to really explain that's the, the right. why. The, that's this, right. This is why, and this is the reason, and it should make sense. That's
1: right. And then you can have the right conversation with your carriers or your mm-hmm. providers, right? Then it doesn't have the right to be this battle. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you guys are talking about this on your demo. Yeah, Demoing this that's tomorrow. tomorrow. What, what Do you know what time which demo I believe demo it's block?
1: at 8.50 or 8.45.
0: Early in the morning. Early, yeah, in, the early, morning early in the
1: morning. Um,
0: yeah. Okay. What else? Uh, you know, give us a little bit of background on Transfix, where you are right now, kind of, uh, you know,
1: uh, description of what you guys are doing right now? Besides.
0: Yeah.
1: It takes, um, I, I mean, right now they like, they were exciting time to be within supply chain. I, I I remember eight and a half years ago, like we start, we started it. We were, we're probably the first digital freight broker to like get, get a, get a stake on the ground and say like, we're going to get started. And it was very hard to get people's attention. It was actually hard to get like an investor, it was brand new category. That's right. It was a new category. It was it was kicking through doors in order to get in. We mm-hmm. had uh, myself and Drew, my co-founder, like try and get our first investment. We got a lot of no's before, but then like finding like that first yes, and then like getting into like that like slope, and we we're, we're here today. Um, I, I couldn't be more excited um, and more proud of the team we've built and where we are. Hey, inflection
0: points all around. Yeah. Inflection <laughs> points, exit velocity, inflection points. It went from uh, it went from a new concept, new category to mainstream now. So yeah. it is definitely mainstream. Thank you so much, Jonathan, for joining us here me. at the Future of Supply Chain. Good luck tomorrow. Yes. And Thank you talk very to much. you again soon.
1: Thank you.